Have you ever had a research project that you've always wanted to start, but never had the funding to do so? What if I told you that there are platforms online where random strangers can help you start? I think it really just, I think the general concept is that it just provides a platform for people to reach like a large number of people and say, hey, I'm doing something interesting and I'm not able to pay for doing this thing myself. But if a hundred or 500 or a thousand people are all willing to contribute to this thing I'm doing, I'll be able to sustain myself off of it and be able to do this thing and share it with everyone. Hey guys, welcome to today's podcast. My name is Fatima. I'm a third year PhD student at the University of Sydney. I'm here with my fellow, I guess, PhD colleague and good friend, Daisy. Hi, everyone. Um, so Daisy here has been on a bit of a journey exploring alternative funding sources. Um, she's connected with some really amazing people worldwide. So um, I guess, Daisy, how did, how did this all start? And I guess what motivated you to go on this journey? Okay, so our previous episode on the peer review was all about how government funding for science projects is on the decline, and it's really getting harder and harder to get any sort of funding for our projects. And so that motivated me to look into alternative funding sources. And what I stumbled across was this concept of crowdfunding. So that's where you get uh, people from all around the world online to help you um, via small donations to fund your project. And uh, this really interested me. I contacted a lot of people who had successfully crowdfunded their research projects, and I got some really good insider tips on exactly how to do it successfully. So we had a chat with Samantha Gowen. She's a PhD student at the University of Technology, Sydney. And last year, she successfully crowdfunded her research project looking at the corals in Sydney Harbour. I've always had a passion for... uh, the marine world, the ocean, and yeah, so I did an undergrad in marine science and then decided to give research a go. My research is Sydney-based, so I get to just dive and snorkel a lot around uh, Sydney Harbour. So tell me, Sam, why exactly did you decide to crowdfund your research project? So, yeah, the opportunity came through, uh, I guess, through UTS, they put put the word out in an email that it was an option. I don't think any of us really thought there was a science crowdfunding platform at all. Uh, Yeah, so the email came around and I had a look into it and it was definitely achievable. I thought, why not give this a go? Uh, We we do get funding, of course, but you guys know science can be really expensive and it, it just depends what you're trying to achieve with your research and extra money always goes a long way. We also interviewed this other research group, um, and they're based at the University of Michigan and recently successfully finished up their crowdfunding campaign and raised $4,000. So I talked to uh, Danny, Aaron, and Alex about their experiences. One really interesting thing about this research team is that it's completely run by students, and this is what Danny had to say about it. Um, So we are a student organization of the University of Michigan, um, and we are undergraduate students. Most of us are uh, in STEM majors, uh, mostly molecular biology, chemical engineering, biomedical engineering. Um, We do get like 
math majors. We had an international major this year. So we get um, all kinds of majors. But yeah, so basically we're a student group. We're a student organization. Um, and we get together and investigate on something that we think is cool and design a research project. We do all the literature research, design the molecular cloning, um, all for the iGEM competition, the International Genetically Engineered Machine Competition, which was originally a competition started by the MIT. Um, and it was like a, a local thing, but then it grew. And now there's like over 280 teams that participate. Yeah. And I, and I think it's a kind of a, our team's kind of a cool proof of concept that you don't need to have a PhD in order to do meaningful basic science research. It's really something accessible to any group of people who are willing to put in the effort to learn the concepts and then put those concepts into practice. So I asked the student research team exactly why they decided to crowdfund their project. Because since we're undergraduates, we can't really apply for like government grants or things like that. Uh, so we're basically funded by sponsorships from our school, from car corporate sponsorships. And then uh, for the last two years, we've been doing the experiment.com campaign, which you came about. So there's heaps of crowdfunding platforms out there. You've probably heard of Kickstarter or Indiegogo or GoFundMe. Um, but really, why did Sam pick experiment.com? I mean, it truly is a magnificent platform because they any type of science, any field, um, they cover it all and it's, yeah, it's really broad. It's a really accessible, easy way to crowdfund. I'd, I'd had no experience with crowdfunding before. I knew what it was but didn't really understand how it worked, you know, how you get your profile up there and, and they just made it so easy, so clear. Experiment.com can sometimes run these competitions and this happens to be how the students at the University of Michigan got involved in crowdfunding. Um, so last year, iGEM itself, the institution, had like a competition on experiment. Oh, okay. Where basically the iGEM team that had the most backers would... Um, they got an extra, they, I think, $1,000. Yeah. Um, and just because it's more of a science-focused platform in comparison to like Kickstarter or GoFundMe, uh, so it's, it's just more tailored to what we do. One question I really wanted to know about was how exactly did these research groups decide on how much funding they needed? I think I started a little bit lower and then as I was talking to people about what I was trying to do, we realised that there, there may actually be good support for it um, and I think it was my supervisor who encouraged me to up it a little bit and see how I go because, yeah, you can't alter it during as right. the campaign's running. Um, so that value was really based highly on how much money we needed to complete our project. Um, last year we set a goal of, I think, $2,000 and were able to raise 2500 and our team approximately doubled in size this year, so we needed around 4000 and we felt that with the increased number of people that would be attainable, so that's, so that's what we ended up going with. Although, looking back on it now, it may have been slightly wiser to set that goal a little bit lower, 
because the way experiment.com works, it's kind of like an all or nothing platform. Yeah. Yeah. So if we had raised three hundred, three thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars, then we would have we wouldn't have seen a cent of that. Yeah. But since we actually hit that four thousand mark and surpassed the goal, we are going to end up getting all of that minus the cut that experiment takes. And this is a really good tip from Aaron, the team leader of the student run research team, about how to set the budget. So that people know what their money is going toward. They know that it's not going to much overhead. Um, I also agree that setting it a little lower than you'd like is probably better because you can always get people to donate more. Um, but as Alex said, if you fall short, you get nothing. Um, and you can usually find a way to make do with a little bit less if you only get that lower goal. All right, we're going to take a really quick break. Don't go anywhere. This is a message from our sponsor. This podcast is supported by Australian Biosearch, the leading provider for life science research, tailoring to all your life sciences, clinical and diagnostic needs, specialising in products such as antibodies, growth factors, assay kits and chemical reagents. For our peer review listeners, contact Australian Biosearch and quote the peer review to find out more. So what is the difference between writing a traditional government grant versus a crowdfunding grant? Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, I probably find writing traditional grants easier because you really can go to town on the science and they're generally longer and it's always hard to to get it down to a more simplified, understandable way. It took a couple of goes for me really to, to get it distilled down in a way that was interesting, not too sciencey, but also not dumbed down. Um, it's great practice doing things like this, writing you know, profiles for crowdfunding websites where the majority of your target audience aren't scientists. Yeah, so uh, one big part of iGEM is that we get judged on is a human practice component, and a lot of that usually manifests itself as public education on synthetic biology. Um, because it's such a new field, not a whole lot of people know that it exists, let alone what it is. The same thing when trying to write our descriptions, where we're trying to craft them in a way where we're still getting the important scientific messages across, but they're hopefully easy to understand for someone who may not have learned anything new about biology since their 10th grade bio class. So after getting their crowdfunding campaigns up and running, the next step was all about promotion. Um, I'd say the most difficult thing was getting it to reach a lot of different people and actually getting it to like go out onto social media and from there actually reaching a large number of people and getting people to click on the link. And then from there, it's always really challenging to get to turn essentially like page views on the project into actual donations. And it's really, it's really difficult to convince people that you don't know or people that you don't know are like interested or involved in the scientific community to kind of just donate to some random um, science project that they find online. Yeah, and get them interested in a scientific project and understand enough about it and its potential to actually want to donate their hard-earned money to it. And also I would say the video is a really important part of it because especially if you're planning on spreading the word by posting to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, things like that, so your video has to be really concise, really well done, and just try and get the main points across in a quick manner. I think it would have been really beneficial for us to 
try and get some momentum behind our campaign within the community of the university itself. So making sure that like professors in the biology department know that our club exists and that we're doing this project and to make sure that like the people in our, like what Aaron said or Danny said earlier, that a lot of us work in, work in our own like labs and stuff to make sure that all of the people in our lab know that we're doing this. There's a lot of institutes around Sydney, marine institutes or, you know, um, various councils and um, environmental groups and stuff like that that would spread the word and get it out there. So. You might have heard of crowdfunding campaigns where the backers receive something, some sort of incentive, whether it be like some sort of customised T-shirt or mug or a mention of some sort. I asked these research teams um, if they provided any sort of incentive for their backers. Uh, one of the main things is that people who don't donate really want to see the outcome. So uh, experiment.com encourage you a few months after having reached your goal to publish some results on the on, um, profile or contact your sponsors and tell them how it's going. So I've done all this sort of thing like updates and um, results, emails, just saying, you know, thanks again, uh, this is where the research is at. So it's just keeping that presence, I think, is really important and that's ultimately what people are interested in, to know that their money's going somewhere beneficial. Yeah. And, we, and we made sure to reach out to everyone who donated to thank them and uh, just kind of ask if they wanted to learn anything more and probably 90% of people didn't respond to that. So... <laughs> It was a little bit. It was a little bit difficult to get any more uh, more information on people who donated, but that's okay because they donated. <laughs> I know that we'll be putting our results and things like that on the experiment.com page. So, I guess the incentive is you're helping science, and you'll get to learn some cool results eventually. Mm -hmm. so it, I mean, it was. It's still like really surprising that people are uh, still, even though it was difficult, they're still willing to donate out of just goodwill. Um, to help someone out, which is encouraging. So Daisy, after talking with the guys from Michigan and Sam from UTS here in Sydney, um, what is the plan going forward? Okay, so this is pretty crazy, but I've decided to put my experiment on experiment.com so I'm going to crowdfund my own PhD research project and see if I can achieve my goal or not um this is a pretty big thing but I decided to put myself on the line <laughs> well that sounds really exciting so I guess after all the tips and the interviews you did with all these guys around the world what would be the top tips that you're going to take on board and I guess do in your own project Okay, so definitely um, the first tip that I've, um, I think is super important is to keep it really simple because I'm trying to reach a really broad audience and that includes non-scientists. So targeting uh, them is really important and that means to make sure that everything I talk about is something that they're going to understand, which probably means to um, lessen the amount of jargon that I use. And if I do use jargon, then to explain it really carefully. Um, and in a way that they'll be able to understand using a lot of analogies would be really good. Um, another tip is to really think carefully about the target goal and the budget because as you know from uh, the tips that we've heard, 
it's an all or nothing platform. So basically, if you don't reach that target goal of um, whatever you've set, then you don't get any of the money, which means the backers also don't um, get to contribute to anything because nothing leaves their pockets and nothing enters your pockets. So um, it's better to set your goal a bit lower because you can always get more money than your um, end goal. Uh, but if you don't reach the goal that you've set, you don't get anything. And the other thing that I learned is it's really, really important to have an engaging video. And that's going to help a lot with promoting um, your crowdfunding campaign. Because uh, if you have this video, then if you post it up on Facebook or uh, Twitter or Instagram, then it's going to be really engaging and hopefully people will click on it and watch it and be motivated to donate to you. And the other thing is just to contact all your networks. So um, emailing um, the university, emailing your friends and family, and also getting them to promote your um, crowdfunding campaign is really, really effective. Awesome. So you're going to get your parents on board as well? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Hopefully they'll, they'll contribute something. That's awesome. So what is, you're talking about budget. So what is the goal and how long do you have to reach it? Okay, so experiment.com actually has different um, periods of time that you can set. So it ranges from seven days, if you want a really quick sort of um, crowdfunding campaign, to a maximum of um, 45 days. So I've selected that, so I've got, uh, I've given myself as much time as I possibly can get, and I've set my goal at $2,000. So I've got 45 days to raise $2,000. Daisy's crowdfunding campaign is now up and running on experiment.com. Um, it's called How Do Cataracts Form? So support her, spread the word, donate, big or small, anything is appreciated. She's just got 45 days um, to get to her gold. So please show some love and help her out. The Peer Review Podcast was brought to you by the Bosch Young Investigators. Produced by Charlene Menezes, Daisy Shu, and Fatima Wazin. Follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Peer Review Pod for any updates, tweets, and upcoming episodes.